Well, good evening and uh, welcome back to Center Point as we uh, make our way uh, through uh, the doctrine of God. And uh, we have been uh, examining uh, in recent weeks uh, issues of God's decree, uh, God's decisions. Uh, we've looked at election uh, and reprobation. And uh, I want to spend now a couple of uh, Wednesday evenings. Uh, thinking through the topic of creation, God as creator. Uh, And because there are um, disagreements uh, about uh, certain aspects of uh, creation and Genesis 1 and 2, I I thought I would spend this evening uh, talking about some of those Um, issues relating to science and geology and and Adam and so on. And then next week we'll talk uh, more particularly about the theology uh, of creation and uh, what does the Bible actually teach us about creation, the creation of the universe and the creation of man uh, and woman, uh, Adam and Eve, male and female. Uh, what, what in particular does the Bible teach about that? So this evening, um, more uh, about creation uh, and uh, science and, and uh, the particular views uh, relating to creation uh, days. Now, if you have your outline with you, I'm, I'm going to follow this uh, fairly closely with events that were transpiring today uh, There there is more in my outline than in yours, uh, in that uh, I was still adding to it when uh, uh, our our hard-working secretaries whipped it away from me because it needed to be uh, printed, Uh, but I wasn't actually finished. So I may may add a few things here and there, it'll keep you awake, uh, by way of some some extra bits of material uh, along the way. Uh, I'm trying to give a definition uh, of uh, creation Uh, in the opening uh, sentence there, a free act of the triune God bringing into being the entire universe, space and time out of nothing and subsequently fashioning this material as in the case of man uh, created out of the dust of the ground uh, into something distinct. Uh, All that exists is dependent, uh, but distinct from his divine will. So I'm trying to link creation and providence, or creation and God's upholding of creation uh, from day to day, as well as uh, two facets of creation. Uh, One is creation out of nothing, uh, and the other, as in the creation of Adam, God takes existing material, he takes the dust of the ground, and he forms uh, Adam. Uh, so there's creation uh, ex nihilo, as we say, out of nothing, and then there's creation uh, out of something. And both of those are seen in uh, Genesis. Uh, We also need to be clear here about uh, the initial creating act and perhaps ongoing uh, intrusions uh, of God's power, as in the case of miracles, say in the days of Moses or Elijah or in the days of Jesus and the apostles, uh, or in our own time uh, in the way in which God um, 
sovereignly and supernaturally uh, answers prayer. And that may or may not involve an act of creation uh, on God's part. Uh, More about that next week. Um, Creation is important theologically because it is vital to maintain the distinction between God and that which he has created, the so-called creator-creature distinction. Uh, Everything about us, uh, and particularly the way we worship God, uh, the fact that we are called upon to worship God, uh, is an aspect, it's a corollary of the fact that we are created beings. There is only one God, and we are not that God. We owe our very existence to the creative act of God. And that, uh, to the degree to which that doctrine is diminished, whether in church or society, is the degree to which our understanding of our calling, uh, why we are here, uh, what is the chief end of man, what is our purpose, um, why worship also in one sense declines. I think it's related, intimately related to a creator-creature distinction or the lack of it. Uh, The doctrine of creation is also important because it says that everything that God creates is essentially good. Uh, You have that refrain, and again, we'll look at this next week in detail. You have that refrain in Genesis, God creates and it was good, and he creates man and it it was very good. Uh, That the the universe is essentially good. Uh, That the universe, that matter, molecules, atoms, forces, electromagnetism, that these are not inherently evil. Uh, there are, of course, uh, epistemologies, worldviews uh, out there uh, that regard salvation as being redeemed from out of the universe, uh, that the body is the prison house of the soul and that redemption is being released from that imprisonment. Uh, and viewing, uh, viewing creation, viewing material itself, matter itself, as something essentially evil. Uh, And there are various kinds of uh, views that we sometimes label as Gnosticism uh, in the first century that perpetrated that view. And it did affect the church. I think it affected the medieval church for a thousand years and more. Uh, The doctrine of creation is important as uh, as underlining the basis for morality. Uh, Our createdness, our sense of uh, oughtness, uh, our sense of obligation stems from the fact that we are created beings and we owe allegiance to one who is sovereign and exercises dominion uh, over us. Um, Then I've simply cited uh, a psalm, Psalm 104, as an example of creation used for the purposes of praise uh, and worship. And then a seventh point, um, perhaps uh, in order to say something to our own uh, day and age, uh, our our notions of self-worth, our notions of esteem, uh, whether we view that in some kind of psychological uh, sense of well-being, 
uh, is in fact uh, something that stems from the fact that we are created and that when God creates us, he looks upon us, he looked upon man as very good. So that the redeemed man uh, in Christ uh, is is the epitome uh, of value and worth. Uh, In Christ, uh, we are in fact looked on as uh, one of God's supreme examples of creation. Now, uh, all of that is just a segue to uh, some difficulties, and this is where I want to spend this evening. We'll, we'll continue next week looking at some of the theological uh, implications of creation, but obviously there are, there are difficulties uh, when we think about the doctrine of creation. And these uh, difficulties, I've summarized them, I think, under three uh, general uh, headings. One, uh, relating biblical and scientific worldviews of the nature of the universe. That's the first difficulty. Uh, The difficulty between the worldview of the Bible and the worldview of naturalistic science. Uh, Whether that's in the origin of the universe. Uh, Let's take one example, the Big Bang Uh, theory that the universe exists because it emerges out of this big bang, this this, uh, singularity uh, that is at uh, the initial uh, initial cause uh, of the existence uh, of the universe. Um, Scientists and philosophical scientists um, insist that technically it's not an explosion but an expansion. And that this occurred 13.7 billion years ago. Now, uh, let's take that worldview, the worldview of the Big Bang, the worldview that uh, the cosmos, the universe, everything, uh, atoms, molecules, hydrogen, uh, oxygen, uh, electromagnetism, uh, gravity, all of these things uh, emerge out of this uh, singularity. And I think it is fair to ask, because uh, we've, we, we, we move now from the realm of hard science and actually into the realm of philosophy uh, and theology, and this is where scientists are speaking sometimes beyond uh, their expertise when they pontificate about origins, because it is no longer a scientific statement, but a philosophical and theological statement. I think it's fair to ask, before the Big Bang, uh, what? I think that's a fair question. I don't think that's a question that's out of court. What was there before the singularity? Uh, Unless you believe in eternal matter, uh, but the the worldview of the Big Bang is not a worldview of eternal matter, that the universe has always existed. Uh, The worldview of Uh, of the Big Bang is that that the whole of the universe uh, emerges out of this singularity. Now there are actually only a few options uh, in answer to that question. Before before the singularity, before the Big Bang, what? Uh, One one answer is nothing. Uh, Before there was something, there was nothing. That is nothing. Now we can say, we can go into a room and say there's nothing there, but actually there is something there. There are atoms and molecules, there's air, there's gas, there are dust particles, there's bits of your skin and DNA floating around the room if only you would see it uh, and know about it. Uh, So it's not exactly nothing, but here we're talking about absolutely nothing. So out of nothing 
electromagnetism emerges. Out of nothing, molecules emerge, atoms emerge, forces emerge. That's actually a very difficult concept to believe. Uh, it, takes, it takes a great deal of uh, credulity to actually believe that. Um, and you think that uh, Genesis 1 is difficult to believe. Um, a, second, uh, a second option is that before the singularity there was matter, there was something. Uh, there was eternal matter. Uh, there was uh, hydrogen or gravity or, or space. Uh, there was a, a lump. There was something. Uh, and there's no point, therefore, in getting uh, upset uh, about uh, uh, things like uh, Hitler or Pol Pot. They, they just are. They emerge. They're accidents uh, of this big uh, lump. Um, th- there's an essential... Uh, absurdity about this worldview that out of something, this, this lump, this matter, this force, this gravity, whatever it is, um, that you build an entire philosophy of morality uh, and obligation and a sense of uh, oughtness. Uh, I, I think again uh, that, that, that that worldview is fraught uh, with all kinds of problems. The third alternative is to say that before the Big Bang, uh, there was God. Uh, and more about that later. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that I hold to the view of the Big Bang, you understand. But I'm, I'm simply examining it as a worldview. And most, uh, most naturalistic uh, scientists, of course, opt for either, uh, either number one or number two, uh, or they just refuse to answer the question. Uh, so I, I think there is a significant Achilles heel to the worldview of naturalistic uh, science as to the origin of the universe. Uh, a, a problem exists about the age of the universe. If you Google age of the universe in big black letters, It'll pop up 13.77 billion years. And Google is never wrong, of course. Uh, And then in small print underneath, you'll see with an uncertainty of 0.4%. Now, uh, 0.4% is is meaningless, of course, in comparison to uh, the age of the earth according to uh, the Bible. Uh, if you compare a biblical estimate, uh, the assuming for a minute, assuming for a minute, a 24-hour chronology, uh, the age of the Earth, according to the Bible, uh, cannot be more than 20,000 years, and and that's being that's being um, um, generous. Um, let's let's double it. Uh, we'll make it 40,000 years. Actually, just because it's you. Let's make it 80,000 years. Let's be that generous. But you understand, 80,000 years and 13.77 billion years, uh, they're not in the same universe. So obviously there's a problem here uh, between a a worldview that says the cosmos, the universe, is 13.77 billion years and a biblical cosmology that at best says uh, the world is 20,000 years old. Now, it's fair to point out that, um, you know, we do trust science. We, we can't adopt as Christians a, a, 
a completely pessimistic and skeptical view to science. You know, we'll get in our cars, most of us, at the end of this meeting, and we'll drive home, and we trust the science. Right? We, we have an explosion taking place somewhere beneath us uh, of a, a, a liquid that, that ignites and could, and could, if we don't trust the science, could blow us into smithereens. But we switch on the ignition and we drive home. Uh, we, we, we put our foot on a brake and we expect it to stop because we trust the science. Uh, we trust the science of geology uh, to a large extent and we can predict uh, where oil uh, will be found. And some of you have made a few dollars uh, trusting that science uh, and finding out exactly where that oil can be found. So as Christians, we can't, po- we can't adopt a view of, of complete and utter skepticism about science. Besides which, we have doctors in the room uh, and we trust them implicitly. Um, Secondly, the universe looks old. It it does look old. Uh, And and few can argue with that. The the universe is a graveyard uh, with uh, relics uh, of um, extinct species, uh, levels of fossil uh, deposits and uh, sedimentation that uh, indicate that the world has been around for a long time. At least that's the way it appears. Now, that is explained by some flood geology, or, or sometimes it's called catastrophism, uh, that all of that can be um, scientifically argued from the flood, uh, from the Noahic flood. So Noahic catastrophism, according to some, can account for the fact that the world appears to look old, uh, even to account for fossils and for um, sedimentation uh, and other things, uh, for the apparent age uh, issue to some extent. Uh, That's true. Um, Maybe true. Maybe that's true. Um, But it cannot account... Flood geology, catastrophism, cannot account for the size of the universe. uh, Where God would have to create the universe with light from various uh, sources already halfway, three-quarters of the way, nine-tenths of the way on its way to earth if the age of the universe is 20,000 years. Now, there are, um, there are some views uh, that suggest that the speed of light is actually slowing down. Um, there is not a lot of hard science uh, on that, but one of my esteemed colleagues and friends, uh, Douglas Kelly, uh, supports that uh, view. Um, uh, if, for example, to make sense... Uh, of the current estimated distance of the Andromeda galaxy, for example, it requires, and and it it is postulated by young Earth advocates, that the speed of light at the time of creation was 500 billion times faster than it is now. That's a colossal number, uh, that the speed of light in 20,000 years, that the speed of light has slowed down by 500 billion times. 
So not 186,000 miles per second, as we learnt when we went to school, um, but, but 20,000 years ago, the speed of light was 500 billion times faster than that. And that accounts for the apparent size uh, of the universe. And again, um, the science behind that supposition uh, is, is, is lacking. Uh, the question as to why God uh, would do this, uh, why would God create a universe that looks old, whether, whether the answer is flood, noahic catastrophism, uh, or whether the answer is uh, the slowing down of the speed of light, both of which make the universe appear old. Why would God make a universe to appear old? Uh, you know, that's not, that's not a scientific question. That's an epistemological question. That's a philosophical, theological question to which there, there could be uh, reasonable answers made. Uh, a third alternative is that the science is wrong. Uh, and science can be wrong, and science has been wrong. Uh, the shift from an Aristotelian uh, to a Copernican view of astronomy, from a, a geocentric to a heliocentric view of, uh, of our planetary system, for example, uh, is, is, is one such example in uh, the history of uh, the relationship between theology and uh, science. Um, the shift from a Newtonian physics to quantum physics, to the theory of relativity, to Einsteinian uh, physics, and so on. Uh, the uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. I'm going back 35 years now, and, and don't ask me what that is. I, I just, it just came into my mind uh, from something I studied 35 years ago. Um, but um, science isn't a fixed entity. Science does change. Science uh, could, could be wrong. And theology could be wrong. Uh, the Bible is inerrant, but its interpreters are not inerrant. Uh, we, all of us, uh, myself included, interpret from a bias. We interpret from a given set of presuppositions. We, we interpret in our own worldview. We interpret sometimes because of prejudice. Sometimes we interpret because we're frightened of what other people will think if we interpret it certain ways. Now, all of us uh, are guilty of, uh, uh, of interpreting from within a certain set of uh, presuppositions. And we can import meaning into the biblical data. And examples of that are uh, the statement in the original Westminster Confession that the Pope is the Antichrist. Now some of you may believe he is the best candidate, um, but uh, it would be exegetically difficult to maintain that the Pope is the uh, Antichrist spoken of in the Bible, because the next question is which Pope? Um, or, or trichotomy, for example, a view held uh, and debated about at length. And a former minister of this congregation in a different century debated this issue at length. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, that man is made of uh, a body, soul, and spirit. And those three are three quite different entities. Uh, so trichotomy is not held by anybody, r really, today. Uh, I may be... I may be uh, uh, I may be uh, um, 
questioned about that afterwards, but I'm not aware of trichotomists uh, today. Most theologians that I know today are dichotomists, that we are body and soul, and soul and spirit are used synonymously in Scripture and not, are not meant to, to mean something entirely different. Now, uh, a second area of difficulty is relating biblical and scientific views uh, of the origins of man. Um, uh, one example would be uh, evolutionism uh, or Darwinism. Um, Darwin is an interesting case. Uh, Darwin, in fact, was not uh, atheistic. Darwin did, in fact, posit uh, and necessitated in his theory the existence of uh, God. Uh, he actually at one time contemplated the Anglican ministry uh, when he was uh, studying uh, in Edinburgh. Um, uh, Darwin uh, posited um, uh, a view uh, that uh, evolution requires uh, a starting point. Uh, Darwin uh, actually did not advocate cross-species uh, evolution. Uh, he, his view required certain primal forms, uh, and, and uh, Darwin posited God uh, as, uh, as the cause for the existence of these primal forms. Uh, Darwin uh, was probably at best a deist. Um, Darwin would be very different from neo-Darwinism that exists today, uh, the likes of Richard Dawkins and, and, and so on. Um, uh, the view the view that says uh, the view that says that trans um, evolution that a shift can take place from one species to another that a fish can evolve into a flying bird for example um, th that is obviously uh, at, at uh, odds uh, with the Bible that insists that God uh, creates uh, according to its kind, uh, although there is some debate as to what kind may mean and whether kind means exactly species uh, is, a, is a, an, important, uh, uh, an important debate. All species, including man, uh, descend from other species according to uh, evolutionism or Darwinism. Uh, especially neo-Darwinism. Uh, half a dozen uh, progenitors of uh, animals, plants, uh, and Darwin couldn't prove uh, a single progenitor from which uh, all of life uh, evolves. And that's where uh, Darwin himself, I think, is different from the neo-Darwinism, the kind of atheistic Darwinism, the naturalistic science um, that exists today. Uh, militantly so in the case of Richard uh, Dawkins and uh, the well-publicized book, uh, The Selfish uh, Gene. Uh, the Selfish Gene posits no origin, uh, no, nor does it posit any goal. Uh, it is a worldview that is without hope in the literal sense of that term. Uh, he sees an unbroken line from uh, the simplest uh, mollusk uh, to uh, man himself. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a worldview. It's a reductionistic uh, worldview. Uh, and it is probably the most dominant philosophy, the most dominant worldview uh, in uh, our age uh, today. Held uh, unthinkingly by the vast majority uh, of, uh, of people today. 
Um, any view, uh, any view that calls into question, let, let me say there are some boundaries here. Uh, boundaries over which we cannot cross. Uh, any view that suggests uh, that questions a historical Adam, for example, uh, an historical Adam and Eve, uh, specially created out of the dust, uh, not, uh, n- not a view of an Adam and Eve that's micromanaged by, by God, uh, uh, alterations to, uh, to the DNA of a pre-existing hominid of some kind, uh, that God took these uh, hominid farmers, uh, a male and female, and, uh, and constituted them Adam and Eve. Um, I, I think that's at odds with what the Bible teaches. Clearly, uh, the Bible is insistent on th- the fact that all of humanity originates from one single pair, from Adam and Eve. And I think, I think if you cross that line, uh, you have crossed a line of commitment to biblical inerrancy. So, a historical Adam and Eve, before whom there were no human beings whatsoever, is, is a line over which, for me, you cannot cross. Whatever the science, or whatever the worldview, and this is more of a worldview than it is a science, uh, is advocating. Uh, secondly, actually it's number three uh, there on page five, any view that questions Adamic solidarity Uh, The doctrine of original sin, as Paul understands it in Romans 5, as in Adam all die, uh, that we are regarded sinners because of Adam, because of an historical Adam. Uh, Any view that questions that uh, cannot be compatible uh, with uh, a, a doctrine of biblical inerrancy. Uh, Any view that questions a young human existence, Right? That's not a young earth necessarily, but a young human existence that human beings have only been on this planet uh, for a relatively short amount of time. Um, any of you that questions that uh, is, is, in my mind, incompatible with the doctrine of biblical inerrancy because you cannot fit it into the genealogies. Uh, of the Old Testament. You can allow for gaps in the genealogies, you can allow for uh, certain expansions uh, within the Old Testament, but Adam and Eve, regardless of how long the the cosmos has been in existence, regardless of how long vegetation has been in existence, if if you posit a view that, that humankind, mankind, uh, has, has been in, in, the, in the universe for a, a longer period than, than 20,000, 40,000, 80,000 years, 100,000 years, uh, that seems to me to be incompatible uh, with a, a doctrine of uh, biblical um, inerrancy. And that narrows my, my scope uh, a great deal Uh, when it comes to positing exactly what does Genesis 1 and 2 uh, teach. Uh, We need to differentiate, I think, between micro and macro evolution. Uh, I think it is all too 
probable that microevolution takes place within species, and, and, and a biblical worldview has no argument uh, with that uh, uh, at all. Uh, my father will tell you that sheep, in, well, he would have told you if he was alive, that sheep in West Wales were larger uh, than they were when he was a boy. Uh, that's because, uh, that's because through, uh, through a, a, a natural uh, process uh, and a, a scientifically explainable uh, process, there, there, can be, there can be changes within, within the species. Uh, that's entirely different from macroevolution, that there's, that there's cross-species um, evolution. Now, theistic evolution... Uh, these, these are generally uh, conservative Christians who believe the Bible, um, but also want a, a foot in the world of evolution, um, that God creates and then withdraws, allowing, uh, allowing the natural process of evolution to take its course. Uh, there would have to be some exception for theistic evolutions, uh, evolutionists because uh, there would have to be a, a, a creative act of God somewhere along the evolutionary line uh, that these hominid farmers are given souls that, that, that differentiates them from, from hominids to, to humankind, uh, responsible moral human beings. Uh, so uh, there, there would have to be an intrusive creative act of God uh, in, in that theistic um, evolution. Uh, the, the problem with theistic evolution is, uh, why, does, why does evolution stop? Right? If, 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 you, if you believe that man is the product of evolution, even though God created the original universe and created the original hominid, perhaps, um, but allowed, allowed over millions of years, allowed that evolutionary process uh, to go forward, and then... And then uh, elects an, an Adam and Eve constitutes them morally responsible, creates in them a, a human soul. Um, why does that evolutionary process stop? Uh, that, that at some million, two million years from now, um, mankind will have evolved into something else, some other species. So theistic evolution argues too much. Because you, 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 may, you may, in your mind, have some kind of handle on origins, bringing together the worldview of the Bible and the worldview of science. But in doing that, you've lost sight of eschatology. You've lost sight of the end. Because why does evolution stop? Uh, here's an example uh, uh, of a, a theistic evolutionist, Dennis uh, Alexander. Uh, God, in his grace, chose a couple of Neolithic farmers to whom he chose to reveal himself in a special way, calling them into fellowship with himself so that they might know him as a personal God. That's the theistic evolution understanding of Genesis chapter 1. Now, within this uh, school, generally speaking, uh, would be the Biologos uh, Foundation and uh, well-known names, at least for some of us, uh, Francis Collins, uh, Peter Enns, Carl Gibson, Darrell Fork, uh, and uh, 
Uh, you'll notice uh, Peter ends the evolution of Adam, uh, what the Bible does and doesn't say about human origins. Uh, it, it is a classic statement of theistic evolution. Uh, but you'll notice the publishers, uh, Brazos Press, which is an imprint uh, of Baker uh, Books, and Baker Books at one time was regarded as one of the most conservative publishers in uh, the United States. Uh, and that is a demonstration of how uh, conservative publishers now have also bought into uh, the line of theistic um, evolution. Now, uh, let's see what the, uh, what the cost of buying into theistic evolution is. Uh, and Pete Enns, and uh, Pete Enns uh, was uh, until recently a teacher at Westminster Theological Seminary, uh, where our esteemed senior pastor uh, taught for many, many uh, years. Um, uh, he, has, he has been removed from Westminster Seminary and because of, because of this issue, uh, because Pete Enns uh, is advocating a view uh, that says he understands, you see, that if you posit theistic evolution, y- you have problems uh, with Paul in Romans 5 who makes the case uh, that all of humanity is morally obligated to God because of what Adam and Eve did, this historic, this historic Adam and Eve. And when you read Romans 5, especially Romans 5.12, you cannot, and Pete Enns grants this, you cannot uh, get any other interpretation other than Paul believed that Adam and Eve actually existed and that God specially created them. That, that was Paul's view. And uh, Pete Enns uh, simply says that Paul uh, was wrong, uh, that he was a man of his time. Uh, evidence can be ignored. We can argue that nothing take precedence over God's word and move on. This is possible, but not satisfying for those familiar with either the scientific or archaeological data. Ignoring evidence will produce considerable cognitive dissonance. And that's, uh, that's, that's his point, uh, that too many conservative Christians uh, are ignoring the scientific and archaeological data and uh, creating what he calls cognitive dis- dissonance. In other words, we all look like chumps in the scientific world. That's basically what he's saying, uh, and that we shouldn't do that. But the cost, the cost... Of, of advocating theistic evolution is that you end up with saying Paul, Paul believed that Adam and Eve was a, were historical and that all of humanity stems from Adam and Eve, but he was wrong. But that this is relatively trivial, right? But that's a slippery slope. If Paul was wrong about that, what's to say that Paul wasn't wrong about his interpretation of the cross? What's to say that Paul wasn't wrong about his understanding of Jesus? Um, A third area of difficulty, uh, relating Genesis 1 and 2 to each other, uh, is another uh, difficulty. Uh, And that is uh, the the entire issue of creation uh, creation days. Now, let me me add some material here. Uh, Our Westminster Confession... um, is, is very clear. Uh, it reads in chapter 4 and, and section 1, uh, It pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost uh, for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness in the beginning to create or make of nothing the world 
and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days. In the space of six days. And all very good. Uh, So the Westminster divines, uh, I think, in using that term in the space of six uh, days, um, meant that, I think, in its most literal sense. Uh, That's the only way that I can uh, see uh, that the divines meant it. I I think that uh, the historical evidence for what the divines intended by that expression is clear enough. Um, uh, So so that's, that's, I think, where, where, where confessional... Uh, confessional issues lie uh, actually lifting the language of Genesis in the space of six uh, days so the question is what kind of days uh, 24 hour days, long days uh, days with gaps in between uh, that's, that's the, that's the $64,000 question now let's, uh, let's look at uh, some of these um, views uh, and I'm going to look at them uh, fairly quickly. Uh, first of all, the so-called day-age uh, view. Now, I've given you, uh, I've given you some examples here, Genesis 1.5, uh, Genesis 2.1, Genesis 2.4, where within Genesis 1 and 2 itself, day is used in four different ways. Right, so we, we, we need to be grown up and sensible uh, about, about what does day mean. Because day can mean different things even within Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, in Genesis 1, 5a, day means daytime as opposed to nighttime, so it's 12 hours. In the second half of the same verse, day means day and night, meaning 24 hours. Right? So, so there's a variation as to what day means actually within one verse in Genesis 5. Uh, and then in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, day uh, actually means eternity uh, because this day hasn't ended. Uh, and a similar use, I think, in Hebrews 4 that we were thinking of on Sunday morning. Uh, and then in Genesis 2, 4, day is indefinite, but in the past, in the same way that, that you know, folk my age will say to folk half my age, son, in my day, uh, meaning not 24 hours, but an extended period of time, but somewhere in the past. Um, so let's 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 be clear here. You know, when we, when we if 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 we advocate that the creation days in Genesis are 24 hours, um, that the, that the scripture itself in Genesis 1 and 2 uses day in more than one sense. Now, uh, the day-age theory says that day uh, is not, therefore, 24 hours, uh, but uh, long periods of time. Uh, Perhaps perhaps even millions of years. Uh, Geologic ages, uh, if you like. So, So not not literal 24-hour days, but, uh, but, but long geologic uh, ages. And that view is held uh, by some respectable folk here, Hugh Ross and Gleason Archer, uh, in uh, the Genesis uh, debate. It's also held by actually my favorite Old Testament commentator, I think, bar none, uh, and that is Derek uh, Kidner. 
Now, why, why advocate a day-age view? Because it helps address the issue uh, of uh, light traveling across uh, space. That, it helps that issue. Uh, that God didn't create the world with, with light already halfway across space or three-quarters of the way across uh, space. You, you, you understand what I'm talking about now. I, I was looking at a star uh, the other night and I have this iPad thing, this, this app, and you just touch it, hold it up and touch it. Uh, the star you're looking at in, uh, out pops all this wonderful information and this, the light from that star began its journey when Calvin was preaching in Geneva. Uh, it just took my breath away that I was seeing light that actually had begun its journey uh, somewhere in the middle of the 16th century. That's how long it had taken uh, to get here. Uh, well, uh, avoiding the issue of the speed of light slowing down and, and that theory, uh, assuming that that theory isn't true, uh, this neatly accounts, uh, day-age view would neatly account uh, for, uh, for, for, for what is seemed, what seems to be a problem. Uh, millions, therefore, of generations of life predate human life, according to this view. Uh, and that different species uh, arose at different times uh, in response to changing environments and so on, uh, many of them becoming extinct. Uh, this view would then advocate that death exists before the fall, death among animals and plants. Now this is an important issue and it will come up uh, with all of the views on creation. Was there death before the fall? And uh, especially young earth 24-hour creation uh, views argue in favor of that view uh, that there cannot be death before the fall. Uh, that death is the result of Adam's transgression. Uh, well, they were, you know, the animals were eating plants before Adam fell in Eden, and so there was plant death, and it is death, right? So there was a form of death uh, even before Adam sinned. Uh, are we to believe that all the animals were herbivores before Adam sinned? Uh, sharks, lions, snakes. Uh, were all grass eaters uh, before the fall, even though they are created to look like predators. Uh, but actually they, their, their predatory habits uh, were, were grass uh, and flowers. Um, and th- that's, that's, that's one of the issues. Um, day-age view. Um, the problem with day-age view is that the order of the days in Genesis 1 is not the same order actually as held out by old earth science. Uh, the order in Genesis 1 is that the sun appears on day 4. Right? So uh, day-age view doesn't fully meet uh, the, 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 the so-called problem of science uh, that's, uh, that's raised by an old earth science view. Uh, second view here is creation days uh, or gap Theory. Uh, uh, This is a theory that views the days, the actual days, as 24 hours, as a morning and an evening, in in a way that we would understand that. Um, But but there might be gaps in between the days, and particularly gaps between day one and two, and and more especially between day two and day three. Uh, between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and then there's a gap. Uh, 
right? And then, and then after perhaps a million years, uh, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then there's another gap, right? So, so the so-called gap uh, uh, view. Uh, notice, uh, notice actually that uh, the ESV actually introduces a new paragraph after verse 2. Uh, and, and there may be more than, more than just a, a, a literary reason for introducing that paragraph. Uh, that paragraph, of course, is not in the original. Um, and this is a view that was held by Thomas Chalmers, and it's also held in the Schofield Bible notes uh, on Genesis 1-2. Uh, now, some, some Hebrew scholars have pointed out that the Hebrew definite article is not used with the first five days uh, and is actually only used in days six and seven. So that you might read the creation story in Genesis 1 as day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, the sixth day, and the seventh day. Uh, as, though, as though there was something different about days six and seven uh, perhaps even in their length or in, in the gaps between them uh, and, and the first few days. That's a, that's a lot to build on the absence of the definite uh, article for sure, but, uh, but um, uh, some have pointed that out. Again, the gap theory is introduced to, uh, to accommodate geological um, uh, ages. A third view is uh, the analogical day. I'm going to pass uh, over that view. It's a view that's held uh, particularly by uh, the professor of Old Testament, uh, Jack Collins, at uh, Covenant uh, Seminary. Uh, and it's actually a view uh, that's advocated because of that by, by uh, PCA uh, ministers uh, who study, of course, at the PCA seminary in Covenant Seminary under uh, Jack Collins. Uh, but it's not a view, although the view uh, is taught there, it's not a view that's, that's, that's had widespread uh, support. Um, some might want to come back and challenge me on that. Um, a third view uh, is, actually this is, I've lost track of numbering now, this should be number four, a literary framework view. Um, th- this is a view that uh, advocates um, long days uh, rather than 24-hour days, but actually sees the structure of Genesis 1 as having a particularly literary form. Uh, and I've got a, a, a grid uh, below so that Day one and day four are actually parallel to each other, and days two and five and days three and six. And this is just a literary device, you understand. Um, uh, p- partly, partly because uh, under the sequential day view, you've got the problem of earth existing, vegetation uh, existing, but the sun not being created until day four, and how could you have vegetation and plants and so on before the sun is actually created. Now, young earthers will suggest that that there might be luminaries of some kind in the sky. Uh, uh, It would require more than just a sun, but some kind of moon too, if the physics of our world is going to hold in place, uh, even before day four. Uh, so, so there, you know, that that issue that issue is uh, is a is a problem for sequential day views. Uh, the, the literary framework view uh, is a view um, that's had a fairly 
widespread uh, support uh, among conservative uh, inerrancy advocating um, theologians and ministers and former ministers of this congregation uh, and dear friends and colleagues uh, of mine uh, in various uh, seminaries uh, for sure. Uh, um, I, I, would, uh, I would point you to uh, Vernon Poythress's book, Redeeming Science, that's mentioned at the end of our, uh, published by Crossway, as the most scholarly and uh, perhaps comprehensive but readable uh, uh, assessment of uh, the, the framework uh, hypothesis. And uh, uh, there are various names here that might be familiar to some of you. Uh, and, uh, Herman Riddeboss, M- Meredith Klein, Henri Blochet, uh, Bruce Waltke, uh, Gordon Wenham. Those are, those are some high flyers for sure uh, who have advocated the framework uh, uh, hypothesis. Uh, it has been rejected out of court by systematic theologians uh, of the likes of R.C. Sproul uh, and Douglas Kelly uh, and Ligon Duncan and Wayne Grudem and Millard Erickson and others. Uh, so uh, this is an in-house uh, debate for sure, but uh, um, uh, the systematic theologians have, uh, have not uh, have not generally advocated that, uh, that view. Um, I'm, uh, my time is going. This is a much longer lecture than I had planned, so let me, uh, let me pass over the literary myth view, uh, for which none of us should have any time for whatsoever. Uh, uh, and uh, fif- uh, fifthly, actually, I think this is sixthly, the old earth mature creation 24-hour uh, day um, that uh, um, uh, uh, God creates a world uh, that, uh, that looks old, uh, but actually does it in seven 24-hour days, but he creates it to look old. Uh, I think that view has, this is, this is I think, where I am uh, in the matter. This is uh, Vern Poythress's view. Uh, I'm more attracted to that view uh, than the view that explains the apparent age in terms of flood geology uh, and uh, Noahic catastrophism. I'm, I'm, I'm just not persuaded that that is hard science, uh, even though some of my dear, dearest friends in all the world uh, hold that view, but the people that hold it, generally speaking, are not scientists. Um, and uh, I, I, have a, I have a suspicion uh, that the science is wanting. Um, but I do believe, uh, I do believe that um, God uh, intends us, I think it's the natural reading uh, of Genesis 1, uh, that the days are 24-hour days, and, and therefore the apparent size of the universe and, uh, and, and, and the issues with geology, uh, for me, I think, I think are, are explained by God creating a, a world that looks old. Now, if you then ask me why would God create a world that looks old, is it a matter of deception? No. Because when, when, Adam, when Eve was created and Adam looked at Eve, I mean, Eve was what, 20, 18, 19? Actually, she was, she was just a couple of minutes old, but, but she looked 19 or 20. 
you know, did, did, Adam, did Adam think, oh, she's been here for 20 years. I, I just haven't seen her. Um, n- n- no, you know, but, but, but the issue of deception, it, it's the same issue there. God created Adam and Eve to look adult. You know, he didn't create them as embryos. He didn't create them as little babies. Um, he created them to look old. So, so the, the issue is not different in kind than, than relating that question to the rest uh, of the universe. Well, there, are, there is more, uh, a lot more, uh, and uh, I can say you've got to come back next week. Because some of this stuff I've gone over too quickly and I've got to come back to some of the particularly issues like death before the fall, uh, which is a hugely theological issue uh, with ramifications for our understanding of Romans 5 uh, especially. Um, Before we transition uh, to our time of prayer, uh, let me pray with you. Father, we we thank you. Thank you for... Uh, the scriptures, thank you for the book of Genesis thank you for the fact that you are a creator and that you made the universe, you brought it into being Uh, you brought everything that is into existence out of nothing by a creative uh, divine act, uh, fiat by the sovereignty of your will it is in you we live and move and have our being Uh, we pray uh, as we as we study uh, what Genesis uh, teaches, and some of us may well have differing uh, opinions here that are fully in keeping uh, with uh, a view that upholds the fact that Scripture is given by uh, inspiration of God, uh, that all of it uh, is the product of your outbreathing. Uh, And yet we can come to different opinions about uh, the understanding of the nature of creation days. Uh, We do pray that you will uh, guide us and direct us in our thinking, give us uh, illumination and light, uh, help us to be your servants at every point, um, particularly uh, for those involved uh, in the world of hard science and for whom some of these issues are more than just theoretical issues. Uh, We we pray for your blessing, uh, for your guidance, for your direction. Uh, Help us as we confront a worldview uh, that is completely alien to a biblical worldview, uh, where we have to simply take a stand and say, thus far and no further. Uh, Here I stand, so help me, God. I can do no other. Uh, So grant us your blessing. We ask it all now in the name of our Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.